It's not supposed to be like this. Christmas is supposed to be, I don't know, joyful. Family comes together. There's food and music and movies. You know, stuff that makes us feel better about our otherwise boring lives. For one day, we can all just kind of commit to being happy. Sure, it's stressful sometimes, especially for parents and stuff, but in the end, it's supposed to be good. Even if you think kids' stuff and magic is lame 11 months out of the year, come December, you're going to be all in. That's just how it is. You can be stupid and innocent and for one fucking minute believe that maybe Santa is coming. I still can't believe he did it. But I guess that's why I'm here, isn't it? You want to know what happened? Did I see the guy? Oh yeah, I saw him. It was Christmas Eve. Almost Christmas at that point, actually. We had all eaten a big dinner and exchanged presents, watched the Rankin-Bass specials, and tracked Santa on the news. Kids were still going strong, hoping to stay up and see Santa. Little did they know. The adults were cleaning up, drinking eggnog and having loud conversations. Music still trickled from the speakers in the living room. It was a party. Pretty typical. I was in the other room, scrolling through nonsense on my phone and texting my friends. And suddenly I heard the doorbell, followed by the kids shuffling all around and giggling. I figured someone had planned a surprise. And they did. Just not the kind of surprise anyone wants. I heard the sound of the door open and then gunshots. Screams ripped through the soft dreaminess of the day. I threw my phone and ran towards the mayhem, which, looking back, may have been stupid. But they are my family. People were on the floor everywhere. Grandparents, parents, children, all laying on the green carpet in pools of red blood. It was eerily festive. I was frozen in place, looking at the tree burning bright with orange flames when I saw someone step out of the hallway, their heavy boots leaving gory footprints as they walked slowly and with purpose. When he reached the middle of the room, I saw him clearly, a gun in each hand, admiring his own work, not even realizing I was there. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was him. All those years I had waited up to catch him, and now I wished I hadn't. Who was it? Isn't it obvious? Santa Claus. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And... We would be dead. dead <laughs> oh no santa i know he's so bad this week oh gosh <laughs> i thought it was terrible when he kissed my mom oh no <sighs> we won't talk about that on air no <laughs> hey leslie hey holly hey fiends welcome back to another week of ruining christmas oh jeez. hooray this week we tackle the 2008 west covina christmas eve massacre this one is horrible and kind of a head-scratcher, so I'll be interested to hear everyone's thoughts afterwards. Mm. Last week elves, this week Santa. We're killing it with the theme. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, Leslie and I have been strictly complying with masking rules, and while we're super happy to keep ourselves and others safe, our skin has been suffering as a result. For sure. You know? 
Now, we do a good job combating all of that with lots of gorgeous products from Shore Soaps. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but nothing makes us sparkle just in time for the holidays like some fun and festive validation. <laughs> Love it. Oh, my gosh. So if you have not done so already, please, 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 please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. Why do we shamelessly beg for these every week? Well, you know those suggestions that pop up at the bottom of the page with every podcast that, like, you might also like? Well, ratings and reviews can get us there and on some lists. And those sort of things really help a podcast grow. Yes? Wee wee. Yeah. (laughs) I need my validation from Leslie, too, so I have to look up and have her be like, you're doing fine. It's good. We got this. (laughs) We don't sound desperate at all. No, not at all. (laughs) Um, And so that's where you come in. If you really like what we're doing, please let us and the world know. And if you really, really like what we're doing and want more of it, you can also head on over to Patreon and support We Would Be Dead monetarily. For just a few dollars a month, you'll get our monthly 30-minute horror movie, uh, live campfire story events, discounts on our merch, and so much more. And finally, if all that is super overwhelming, which I know it can be, you can simply share our stuff. Share our posts uh, with weekly episodes or our Friday videos or some silly meme we put up there. (laughs) Whatever, all of it helps. Uh, And then your friends could be fiends and we can all have fun together. Yes. Especially on December 18th when we have our live holiday show. That one is going to be so crazy fun. Please send us suggestions for a signature cocktail. Ooh. Maybe we'll get like a bunch of good ones. Yeah. I want one that has like smoke coming off of it. Oh, man. That's a real assignment. Yeah. I want like a mulled wine type scenario. Okay. I like it. Or... Like anything else festive. Anything. <laughs> I'm here for it. Something chocolate minty. Not too sweet mm-hmm. though. We'll yeah, die. Yeah, we don't like too sweet. We don't. We can't do it. I did have boozy hot chocolate last night though and it was really good. But I could yeah. never drink more than one of those and not when I'm not out in the cold. <laughs> There's a way that we can just have like tequila as Christmas like in a drink. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to float cranberries in yours? Great. There you go. <laughs> Leslie's festive cocktail is a glass of tequila with just cranberries <laughs> or pomegranate seeds. Ooh, that might be nice. Those are pretty. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds great. Send us your recipes. <laughs> Leslie likes tequila. Anyway, <laughs> lastly, don't forget to check out our limited time only holiday merchandise available in our merch store. It's awesome. And um, and yeah, I think that's it. Go buy all of it. Yes. Prints, <laughs> cards, tea towels, t-shirts, tank tops, stickers. They could be yours. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I think that's it. Do you have anything else, Leslie? Um, No. Not this week. Not this time? I know I always do, but not this week. Usually you have a lot to say. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. On with the show. We're going to start this story on Christmas Eve 2008. I know Leslie usually has to wait a really long time (laughs) for her turn to talk. (laughs) But today we're going to have her kick it off. So, Leslie, why don't you set the stage for us? Perfect. I am so glad I did my warm-ups before this. <laughs> Leslie does guide us through warm-ups before we begin. There's only two of us. I don't know why I'm speaking like there's a whole class. One day when we do lives, people will get to see it. <laughs> but we're doing tree stretches and you're saying knees up or whatever. High knees. High knees. <laughs> Dynamic stretching. Yeah, it's great. Great. Okay, so in 2008, I decided to go with the top toys for Christmas. Ooh, fun. Okay, so number 10. Video games, Guitar Hero, uh, Guitar Hero World Tour, oh, Grand I Guitar Theft Hero. Auto 4, and Far Cry 2. I never played Far Cry, but I did the other. The so, other like, ones. play the guitar, 
murder some hookers, and then whatever Far Cry 2 is. I guess like cry in the distance. Crying real far away. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Number nine. We fit in PlayStation 3, which I guess makes sense because all of the <laughs> so many video, video games. games. I know. Number eight is the Ripstick Caster Board. What the remember? fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you weren't going to know. <laughs> but you have seen these. They're, uh, it's like a skateboard, snowboard hybrid. Oh, it's like those- a voodoo board where you're on the little pillar in the center and you're like, whoa, balanced. Yeah, and you can go in a 360 motion. Ooh, really, didn't know that. Yeah. Um, okay, number seven, the Webkins plush dolls. Did Violet ever have these? No, but I know what you're talking okay. about. They were like scannable or something. They like yeah, had their own. So this, I don't know if this was the first year or not, but this one, if you buy the plush dolls, they would come with a year subscription to their website where you can adopt and play with your pets virtually. Um, oh, yeah. And the site that. would allow you to like decorate the rooms, play games, collect prizes, and chat with friends. And so, like, this one obviously reminded me of, like, Tamagotchis, but did you ever play or, like, have even on your radar Neopets? I know what they are. Yeah. Okay. That was, like, a big thing that I played because I was, I was, like, it was, like, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Yeah, I was, like, past the, past prime for that because I'm five years older than you, five years older than you Yeah, were? you yeah. might have. So, I wasn't. If you had played, it would have been, like, secretively, like, you wouldn't have ever told I your didn't. friends. <laughs> <laughs> if you were that old, Yeah. <laughs> if you played with these, it would have been a shameful secret. But there were clearly <laughs> wait, there were clearly adults playing this game. Oh no, on there. But it was I don't know. I it brought me back to a weird time in my life, and I like loved Neopets, and I had an entire world happening. Listen, if you were an adult that played Neopets, we are not judging you. No, no, because it was a fun game. It was kind of like another Sims kind of thing. There you go. Yeah. Get your little pet. It's fine. I like, I signed, I went online to like find Neopets. I was like, it still exists. And I tried to log in <laughs> and I couldn't remember which email. And I think it's an no. email that I no longer have, like an optimum online one. <laughs> I wish it was there. I wish you were like, my pets. I know. I've tried like all my old AIM aliases. Oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> all right, number six. Anything from Hannah Montana, Jonas Brothers, and High School Musical. Not my not my era. No. No. <laughs> you keep saying that, but there are so many people I know that are your age that are obsessed with them. With Hannah Montana? Probably like Jonas Brothers and High School Musical, yeah. I would say more. Yeah, some people still, like, jumped onto the high school musical thing. I just didn't. I don't know why. And mm-hmm. Jonas Brothers are, like, very good-looking men. So yes. plenty of women are just going to be on board. And, all, well, so for me, I think that the Jonas Brothers and High School Musical, all of those actors mm-hmm. are about my age. Yeah. So even though it was a kiddish thing, they we were, were still, still like, mm, they're kind of hot. <laughs> All right, Zac nope. Efron, I see you. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I we, see what you're going to become. Listen, we all see Zac Efron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then the next one, I think Violet has a version of this, not this one. But do you remember the Fur Real Friends? Oh, she does have some of those. Yes. I mean, Violet was born in um, 2011, so mm-hmm. this was like later on. But yeah. she definitely has some. They're like Isn't animatronic like a things. purple one, like a purple dog? Oh, no. She has a unicorn that sings like Beyonce. Okay. I think I'm trying to remember the one she got, I think, at the baby shower. No. That was Violet Puppy, and that's okay. a V-Tech toy. Okay. But last year for Christmas at Margie's house, she got 
that dog she got was a for real pet. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Okay. So the for real, pre- uh, sorry, the for real friend. <laughs> we just went off on it. <laughs> my love and pup, Biscuit. 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 Yeah, Biscuit was a life-size plush golden retriever that came with a toy doggy Biscuit. I remember that. Mm-hmm. It was fucking huge. It was huge and very lifelike. It's described as a worthwhile choice for residents that don't allow pets, families that aren't ready for a pet yet, or anyone who enjoys the cuddly friendliness of this toy dog. That's not what that is. (laughs) The special pet really responds to six different commands, including sit, speak, and lie down. That is not, it is not a pet substitute, it is a toy. Do you know they also make a triceratops like that? Yes. One is so bad. That's incredible. I would, like a life-size triceratops. It's, it's huge. Yes, it's like two and a half, three feet tall. Wow. Has like this big old head, comes with a leaf, you feed it, it's amazing. I would have asked for that. I I'm want it for, for me. i now. Okay. <laughs> I'll find it for you. Great. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this dog would bark, wag his tail, and let his master know when he wants his biscuit by whimpering. Oh, yeah, they all make weird noises. No. No. The, um, the unicorn riffs like Beyonce. That's great. I can't tell you why. Um, so that one, that toy is probably priced around 200 and then their other, like, for real friends are a lot cheaper, usually oh, around, like, 20 now. or 30 Yeah, very small. And if you wanted a more affordable option that year, the Wow We Alive Cubs were Wow-wee! the next best choice. <laughs> And Wowie makes makes a lot of robot toys, too, and they're actually, like, a really cool company. Ooh. Yeah. All right. So, number four, Star Wars toys, because they're, like, always on the Every list. Every year. Yeah. Uh, specifically, any character from the animated movie Clone Wars. Oh, you did mention it. I did mention this earlier, because it comes at a timely, uh, comes at a timely fashion. Time. Timely time. <laughs> It's very timely that we were talking about this. Talking about the Mandalorian, that is why. Yes. <laughs> now I'm all off on what I was going to tell you, but you're anyway. timely. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We talked we'll about just... puppies Violet got for Christmas that no one's ever I seen know. for a little while. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, oh, because the Clone Wars is where Anakin gets an apprentice who is Ahsoka, and Ahsoka was in the. One of the recent Mandalorian episodes. Yeah, where I couldn't tell if that was all her head or a hat. I always thought of it as like her hairish. Yeah, Will said it was part of her head. It's was- her head, yeah. Yeah, that's like her body. Great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love her. She's so great. Number three, TMX Elmo, which stands for Tickle Me Elmo Extreme. No! Or... <laughs> Tickle Me 10 Elmo. That sounds awful. Since it's 10 years after the release of the original Tickle Me Elmo. We have Tickle Me Elmo. I know. Who doesn't? I don't know. Number two, uh, Lego City, which is part of Lego Systems because when aren't Legos the best? They weren't as cool as when like Lego Movie came into play. That's when Legos became awesome. Oh, they came. Yeah, they got even better. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But I did love all the space Legos when I was a kid. Yeah, that was my jam. All right, number one is the Air Hogs Havoc Heli Laser Battle. <laughs> Quite a mouthful. Um, it's a remote control helicopter that allows you to play with a friend and have a battle. Air Hogs. Yeah. <laughs> you can like you can like send triggers to their um, helicopter and it'll like make it malfunction and like crash and. What a time! What a time! So that was two thousand eight. Well, that was a nice diversion because it's going to get real dark now. <laughs> Thank you for telling us about those fun toys. You're ever so welcome. So it's Christmas Eve 2008. 
COVID restrictions weren't even a glint in the eye of an anxious pangolin yet. Everyone's playing with their for real pets and their wild hogs. Yes. <laughs> That's a Tim Allen movie. It's, it's fine. Like, whatever. <laughs> I saw that in the theater. Oh, no, you did. With my, it was like one of those movies you like went to with your mom. Good time. I love it. Yeah. She enjoyed it. <laughs> Well, all that is happening, and the Ortega family is having their traditional family gathering. The Ortegas are a big, warm, happy family, and this event will be attended by roughly 25 people, which may seem like a lot, but the Ortega household is used to it. They are a close-knit bunch. They have game nights and movie nights, barbecues and birthday parties, and they all happen at the West Covina, California home of matriarch and patriarch Alicia and Joseph Ortega. Or maybe it's Alicia. Affectionately known as Alice and Papa Joe, Joseph and uh, then I think it's Alicia. Joseph and Alicia, who were eighty and seventy respectively, grew up in Torreon, Mexico. Alicia was the young daughter of a prominent businessman and fell head over heels in love with the much older Joseph. The pair were meant to be, however, and married in nineteen fifty-five. Now, normally, I have a lot to say about men who married teenagers <laughs> because she was seventeen, and I believe that makes him twenty-seven. Okay. Yep. But these two appeared to be an exception because they had a very long, very happy marriage. Okay. So good for them. Alice and Papa Joe immigrated to the United States soon after they were married and started their family right away. They had five children, Sylvia, James, Charles, Alicia, I guess we don't use junior on girls, but she's the second, and Leticia. So Alicia and Leticia. Yeah, I guess we don't use junior on girls. Why not? What would we say? I don't know. The second? Young Alicia? Little Alicia? Yeah, probably. Ellie? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. In 1982, Papa Joe and Alice were able to buy their home in West Covina. It was a lovely ranch-style house with a big backyard patio and pool. The young family embraced their community, befriending many of their neighbors. One neighbor, Linda Perez, was quoted as saying that if you were friends with one of the Ortegas, you were friends with them all. That's just how they were. Their friends became family, and families stick together. The children were known throughout the neighborhood as kind and respectful, always jumping up with a hug to say hello, and never letting anyone leave without saying goodbye. Alice and Joe's five children went on to have families of their own, giving Alice and Joe a grand total of 15 grandchildren, who were the light of their lives. Woo! 15 grandchildren! Wow. Oh, man. I think, I think I would die. How many kids did that come from? Five. Wow. Yeah. That's too many people, though. Can you imagine our family Christmas Eve if there were 10 more cousins? I mean, I've been to my Italian side of the family's parties, and that's, I guess, what it's like all the time. We would hide. We would hide in the bar. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Oh, man. All those imaginary cousins would have had to fend for themselves. We would have had to go. (laughs) (laughs) Too many. While that situation would have been the death of me, the Ortegas loved it. They worked hard and created their own little slice of heaven right here on Earth. Neighbors remembered the Ortega house as always being buzzing with family, with Joe and Alice in the center of all the happy chaos. Papa Joe always wore a baseball cap, and Alice always had her two dogs, who she spoke to as though they were additional grandchildren in tow. Perfect. (laughs) Which I thought was really cute. (laughs) They said she always spoke to them in Spanish and fed them little treats. That's amazing. (laughs) I know. Cute. In case you can't tell, I really think this family was magical, and I wish I could have hung out with them. Oh, they're so cute. So back to Christmas Eve 2008. 
Allison Joe's yearly shindig has grown quite big as the years went by, and as all good parties do, it always carried on late into the night. This particular Christmas Eve saw nearly the entire family and several of the neighbors in attendance. Alice made her traditional pozole along with lots of other delicious things. There were presents and games and songs, and by the time the main events had ended, everyone was feeling that happy, warm, buzzy combination of a full belly and a happy heart that only a good family holiday can bring. The children were playing with their new toys by the tree or watching a Christmas movie. Adults sat around in the living room and kitchen enjoying cocktails and conversation, and 17-year-old 17, 17, Michael Ortiz, Alicia's, Alicia Jr.'s eldest son, sat in a back room playing around on the computer. Very normal family stuff. Now before I get to the actual event, I need you all to know that the first victim lives. Ooh, okay. Lots of people don't, but the first one is super traumatic. So go into it knowing that they are still around to this day, and not only are they in therapy for themselves, but they write to the families of the victims of the Newtown Massacre, trying to bring them a small amount of comfort and hope and identify with them. Oh, wow. Yeah. So keep that knowledge, like, close in your heart, and you're going to thank me for it later. <laughs> like the, the Newtown, the Sandy Hook? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this person writes to people who went through that, too, to be like, hey, like, I know what you're going through, and I need you to know, like, to please continue to have hope. Mm -hmm. I will talk, like, I can talk to you if you ever want Mm -hmm. to. Just like a very kind, wonderful human being. Uh, Vicky Soto died. She was, she came from my hometown. She was a teacher at that school. Ugh. Yeah. That's awful. Perhaps she knows this lady's family. Yeah. It's possible. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. At 11.30, there was a knock on the front door. This was slightly unusual, as most of them were already there. But since the door was always open on Christmas Eve, metaphorically, not not actually unlocked, even at 11.30 at night, it wasn't necessarily seen as an indication that something could be wrong. Eight-year-old Katrina Yosefpolsky, Leticia's youngest daughter, ran towards the door. What kid doesn't like answering the door? Kids always run right for the door, especially on Christmas Eve. And she saw through the front window that on the doorstep, waiting to be let inside, was none other than Santa Claus himself. Mm -hmm. And better yet, he was holding a great, big, wrapped present. Katrina was elated. This was Christmas magic happening right at her grandparents' house before her very eyes. She flung open the door and yelled, Santa! And filled to the brim with joy. Santa... With a blank expression on his face, took a step inside the door, pulled a loaded semi-automatic gum from his pocket, and shot Katrina in the face. (gasps) Alive! Alive and helpful! That's why I said it. The injury was severe, but thankfully not life-threatening. Where in the face? I guess to the side, because if you, I'll, I'll post a picture of her in our photo suite. She's beautiful. You can't tell at all. She's, she's, I have to, she's okay. I know that one is so hard. So I had to put it right in the beginning. Like, don't, don't panic. Don't, don't drop. She's still alive. Okay. Well, thank you for letting us know that. You're welcome. (laughs) After Katrina fell to the ground, Santa stepped over her. And before the party goers could fully process what was happening, he began to fire into the crowd, standing over some of them and shooting them in the head execution style. As it turns out, Santa was armed to the teeth within that suit, carrying along several handguns as well for the ride. My God. Mm-hmm. 
Once the hail of bullets had ended and half the family lay bleeding or dead on the floor, Santa went back to the living room to unwrap his present. There, he carefully unwrapped the large box and opened it up to reveal an enormous homemade flamethrower. No. Mm-hmm. Santa then began to spray the once cheerful family gathering place with flames, burning himself rather badly in the process because I'm pretty sure that homemade flamethrowers are not the most trustworthy tools. A homemade flamethrower. Mm-hmm. It looks like a propane tank. It's like really big. That's what I'm kind of picturing. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Also, this whole thing is insane and even an excellent flamethrower is most likely unreliable in the hands of a deranged Santa Claus. The house quickly went up in a phenomenal blaze with flames reaching nearly 50 feet in the air. People were burning to death and screams echoed throughout the quiet neighborhood. More than half of the partygoers managed to escape the blaze and were seen running at top speed from the house screaming for help. One woman jumped from a second-story window, breaking her ankle on the way down. A teenage boy was seen running from the back of the house shouting, He's killing my family! (gasps) Those who escaped and alerted neighbors immediately began calling 911. While poor Katrina and some of the other children honestly believed it was Santa Claus who entered their grandparents' house that night, the adults were not so easily fooled. And a few could tell through the costume and the blaze that the man responsible for all of this was not Santa at all. He was Sylvia, Joe and Alicia's second youngest daughter's ex-husband, Bruce Jeffrey Pardo. Shut the front door. Mm Mm-hmm. I know. A quiet man they had all previously believed to be nice and innocuous enough. A man who himself had been to a few past Christmas Eve gatherings with them and who knew exactly the scene he would be stalking into that night looking for revenge. Bruce and Sylvia had only been married for two years, and while he may have seemed nice enough to the neighbors, Bruce was anything but. Before we get to what became of him that night, let's talk about who he was and how he managed to land himself a catch like Sylvia and why she rightfully divorced his sneaky narcissistic ass. I hate narcissists. <laughs> so many narcissists in there. I've, I've realized this week that those are the ones that I can't, like, reconcile with. I just fucking hate them. Ugh, I can honestly try to see through to the other side of, like, any kind of problem or, like, look for a why, but not when it comes to a narcissist. Whenever we cover them, I get so mad, and we've been covering a lot of them lately. Yeah. Wait till we get to an incel. It's going to be a lot of me just, like, screaming. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to have a volume warning when we cover <laughs> Elliot Roger. <laughs> oh, oh, and this is fun. There are so Many Reddit threads where a bunch of men gripe about how they understand why Bruce did what he did. Ah, fuck. Yeah, you know, like murder an entire family on Christmas Eve in cold blood because he got divorced. No? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. We'll get to that soon, though. Oh, I'm so angry now. I know. I only, I dipped my toe into like one Reddit thread Mm -mm, and I was like, out! (laughs) (laughs) Dry off your foot. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm going to yell at these internet teens and it's going to be bad. So I just have to walk away. And pointless. Like, they're clearly. Oh, fully pointless. They yeah. believe they, they're horrible. They're already a lost cause. So, Bruce Jeffrey Pardo was born in 1963 to mother and Nancy Windsor and father unnamed. Okay. I know, which is a real rarity. Usually it's wife or mother who doesn't have a name. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why, but this kind of feels like progress. <laughs> I was kind of like, yeah, I can't find your stupid father's name. (laughs) Whatever. 
God. Anyway, Bruce was brought up in Sun Valley, California with his mom, Nancy, and dad, No Name, who happened to be an electrical engineer. Bruce took after his dad and had a natural aptitude for math, science, and putting stuff together. He excelled at his polytechnic high school, so much so that he graduated a year early. When questioned about the event, Bruce's high school girlfriend, Carol Sanchez, was stunned and said he was a brilliant student and a nice guy, and she could never have seen this coming. Okay. Okay, but nobody has ever like, yeah, that guy was bound to kill some people. Right. And that was high school girlfriend? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. After high school, he decided to go on to college, where he would obtain his degree in computer science from California State University, Northridge, who does not list him as one of their notable alumni. (laughs) Go figure. Fun fact, Cal State Northridge did also educate Stephen Paddock, the 2018 Las Vegas concert shooter. So if your kid wants to go there, maybe keep an eye on him. That's a thought. Bruce went on to succeed in college. He was known as a brilliant and jovial, like, fratty type guy. In other words, his personality would not have stood out, but his grades sure did. Graduating in 1985, Bruce then went on to become a software engineer at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in La Canada, Flint Ridge, California. It looks like Canada. It might be like La Canada, but I don't know. So, come back at me, California. Tell me how to say your name. While there... He really could have done, he could have done some great things. He had like a ton of potential. He was very, very smart. And they had pretty high expectations for him, but he never lived up to any of those, preferring instead to use his big old brain to hack into the company's computer system so he could look at his coworkers' salaries. Oh. Which like, you can hack through this major company's computer system and all you want to do is look at how much money other people are making? You're not even a good villain. <laughs> Just aim higher. <laughs> yeah, at least like blackmail your boss or read right. a woman's email to make her fall in love with you or something. Nope, he just looked at checks. Hmm. Boring. Did he get a pay raise? No. Well, then what's the point? I don't He was, I don't know. <laughs> There's not a lot of point in him. Bruce also had little ex- respect for employment in general, as it was said that sometimes he would just like leave for a few days when there was fresh snow in the mountains and then return to work with... Goggle tan lines. What? Yeah. He just, like, wouldn't tell anybody he was taking off and just, like, go skiing and then come back and be like, I'm back, bruh. It's good. And you said he was, like, a frat kid? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's super entitled. Like, yeah. Real nice, Bruce. Everybody loves that guy. Great big brain. Zero motivation. We've seen this before, and it does not wa- end well. Mm-hmm. Not one time ever. Nope. In 1988, Bruce became engaged to a co-worker named Delia, and the two planned a lavish 250-guest wedding. So many people. Damn. I know. Bruce didn't make a whole lot of money at this point in time and was living with his mother, so that's a cool fiancé to have. Like, (laughs) that guy who's looking at other people's salaries and living with his mom and not making much money, but is, like, super smart and works for, like, a crazy good company. What was she thinking? I know. Like, wouldn't you see, like, you... Why aren't you doing well? (laughs) Yeah. Well, but if they're playing it off, you know. I guess, yeah. So Delia offered to use her savings to pay for the wedding and their planned equally extravagant honeymoon in Tahiti. Bruce, of course, accepted her generous offer. Why wouldn't he? Of course. Now, remember, she works at the same company, and she can afford to just put out the money to do all of this. But he lives with his mom and can't. It's like, what are you doing that you don't have any money? Yeah. She has plenty of money. On June 17th, 1989, their wedding day arrived. 
the church filled with 250 friends and family members, and an elaborate meal and expensive cake were prepared, and his fiancée put on her dress and waited to walk down the aisle. But Bruce never showed up. Why is he the worst? He is 100% the worst. He went missing for a few weeks after that, and during that time, Delia, his fiancée, discovered that he had also withdrawn $3,000 from their federal credit union account, which was probably all her money. After, like when Bruce had burned through all of that money, he came back, tan, rested, and playing it real casual. It turns out that he didn't feel like getting married, and so he went to Palm Springs for a while instead. And then she left, and none of this ever happened. (laughs) Don't you want to, like, just murder him? Yeah. Delia said that Bruce just did what he wanted whenever he wanted with no regard for anyone else. Clearly. Yes. So I'm starting to see now how he could dress up as Santa and shoot a child in the face on Christmas Eve. I mean, I'm not quite there yet. Not yet. (laughs) We're getting there. We're getting there. Right. In the 90s, Bruce also dated a woman named Tina Westman. So, yes, that was it for Delia. She was like, oh, bye. <laughs> We're done. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought this was the daughter. Like, this was. No. Okay, no, no, no. okay good. That's okay. his first fiance. He was supposed okay. to marry her and abandon her at the altar. Okay. And then she was like, okay, we're done. Good. You stole all my money and went to Palm Springs and then came Ugh. back and was like, we're fine, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> this reminds me of in Parks and Rec. <laughs> money, please. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Oh, man. He's just not, like, delightful and charming. He's horrible. In the 90s, Bruce dated a woman named Tina Westman and convinced her to go out on a whitewater rafting trip. While out on the water, Tina fell overboard and almost drowned. And Bruce reacted by hysterically laughing. Because <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Tina said she felt like he didn't really grasp the severity of the situation <laughs> yeah, and I described him as a, quote, big lovable kid. <sighs> That's a super ex-girlfriend thing to do. Yeah. He's not a big, lovable kid. He's an unimaginably selfish asshole, and he didn't care that you almost died. But Tina does come back around, however, and says that Bruce was very intelligent but lacked all common sense, which is also putting him very mildly. Right. But you know what? If I dated a murderous Santa, I would probably soften him up in the retelling as well. Mm. You can't be like, oh, yeah, 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 he was a total psychopath, but I just kind of let him back out into the wild. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I understand. She was just making the situation like, how could I know? It was fine. I didn't know at the time, which, like, we all would do that. hmm Yeah, it doesn't feel good to say the other things about anybody. And by 2001, at 37 years old, it would seem that Bruce had settled down. He had a serious girlfriend named Elena Lucano, and the pair lived in Woodland Hills with their 13-month-old son, Bruce Matthew. Yes, he named his kid after himself. No. They didn't call him Bruce Jr., thank goodness. They called him Matthew. Still, though, in true narcissist fashion, he had to name his son after himself, which in some families is a tradition, and I absolutely recognize that. But I think he was just an arrogant jerk. Mm-hmm. Based on, you know, like, like every fact about him. Yeah. <laughs> so boys are juniors. He's a junior. All right. What, What's are, that? what, what do we are call girls? girls? Somebody answer us. What are girl juniors? <laughs> <laughs> just junior. They're girl junior. Girl junior, Alicia. (laughs) Terrible. That's what I'm going to call them. 
During the first week in January, Elena went out to the grocery store, leaving Bruce behind with little Matthew. When she returned, Bruce was in the living room watching TV. And Matthew was outside, face down, in the swimming pool. Mm -hmm. Elena pulled him out of the water and called an ambulance. Emergency medical staff were able to save Matthew's life, but not without major complications. Matthew remains severely handicapped to this day, and he has not only brain damage, but also a paraplegic. As it turns out, your brain needs oxygen to live, and there happens to be a deficit of that underwater. Mm-hmm. Bruce, as it turned out, didn't feel like monitoring his toddler and just let him wander around the backyard while he watched his show. 13 months old. Yeah, that's a barely able-to-walk child. I, when I babysit your kids, mm-hmm. they're, what are they now, seven and nine? Mm-hmm. I still like Violet a little bit. I can let her like go mm-hmm. out of the room, but I still feel like I have to follow Flynn around. <laughs> You're probably right to do so. He's very troublesome. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is a, a baby baby. Mm-hmm. Like they just passed their first birthday. They can maybe walk around. And he was like, I want to watch my show. Fuck this kid. When Elena found him in the pool, Bruce made a big show out of being super upset. And then when they got to the hospital, Bruce slept by his bedside for a solid week. But once it was revealed that Matthew would never be the same again, Bruce lost interest. Mm -hmm. I hate this guy. He left, and neither Matthew nor Elena ever heard from him again. Wow. Mm -hmm. While this was definitely Bruce's fault, and he was clearly a garbage parent, thousands of incidents like Matthew's and ones that turn out even worse happen every year. And therefore, it was easy to pass Matthew's incident off as just like a, a... a tragedy, like a just a once in a lifetime, like, oh mm-hmm. my God, it never happens. I'm at a loss for words. I'm trying to think of a specific one and I can't. And for me, that's going to make my whole brain explode. Oh no. It's okay. It's going to be fine. So how about you, Leslie, give us a little more information on uh, the danger of kids and pools. Sure. Okay. So I pulled um, some statistics from the 2014 report on drowning. This took the years 2005 to 2014, so it will encapsulate 2008. And the numbers are still pretty similar to what we deal with today. Yeah, this happened in 2001. Oh, 2001. But that's right there. That's true. Okay. Um, So an average of 3,600 fatal unintentional drownings uh, by non-boating-related happen annually in the U.S. This equates about 10 deaths per year. An additional 332 people died each year from drowning in a boating-related incident. About one in five people who die from drowning are children 14 and younger. For every child who dies from drowning, another five receive emergency department care for non-fatal drowning, meaning they survived a temporary suffocation or a loss of consciousness while submerged. Surviving a drowning can lead someone with severe brain damage, five to 10% of childhood drowning cases result in long-term disability, such as a persistent vegetative state or quadriplegia, which is the loss of use of all four limbs and torso. Uh, children one to four have the highest drowning rates, with most occurring in home swimming pools. There you go. Where they were usually left unsupervised or with another child. There you go. Yeah, yep. other kids can't watch your kids, no. and they can't save them in a pool. And often at the home of friends, neighbors, or relatives. So a lot of times it's not even like they're, it's not when they're there. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine like somebody else's kid dies in your pool? Yeah. I would just also have to die in my pool. Yeah. 
Oh my God. I know. Most infants under the age of one drown in the bathtub. Ooh. Other drownings in this age group tend to occur in toilets and buckets. What? Toilets? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's why they have that clamp. Oh, yeah. On the toilets for that reason. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I'm going to have nightmares about this. Yeah. Young children can drown in less than two inches or six centimeters of water. Ugh! Wild, right? So wild. I also heard, um, I didn't write this down here, but uh, I caught another uh, statistic when I was, like, scrolling through other things, mm-hmm. and it said that they young children like this can die within 10 seconds. <gasps> it could take 10 seconds for them. So, like, that's wow. why you should never – if you, like, if you're bathing your child and it's in, like, an inch of water and they're, like, one, just, like, take them with you if you have to step out of the room and bring them back in. Like, do not leave them in there. It's only 10 seconds. is That's wild to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wow. Or for them, even if you brought them back to life, if they have any damage, well, like, like you know. this poor baby, like, mm-hmm. I don't know how long he had been in the pool because Bruce just, like, let him in the yard. Right. And then mom came home and he was still alive but unconscious and, like, clearly he never came back from it, really. No. Wild. Mm-hmm. Um. So these are some prevention tips. Supervision is key. Swimming lessons and flotation devices do not eliminate drowning risks. Mm-hmm. Young Kids and weak swimmers should have an adult swimmer within arm's reach. They call this like that touch supervision. Understanding that no matter their swimming skills, all children need to be supervised. A strong swimmer could still slip and fall in the pool deck, lose consciousness and fall into the pool and possibly drown. Um, In the ocean, they could swim out a little too far, get too tired and can't swim back in time. Um, Or the tide's too strong or the waves are too harsh. Um, If they have a pool, rules... You should, like, if you do have a pool, like, have rules that you actually follow. Um, No running around there. Um, No, like, certain horseplay. Not being unsuper... Like, they can't go in unless an adult's around. Yeah, my parents have a pool. Mm -hmm. It was, like, when my kids were babies, it was definitely, like, a very scary thing. And they both absolutely had moments where they, like, Mm -hmm. went under for a second. Not that they were unsupervised. I was right there. Mm -hmm. But it didn't matter. They went, like, where they shouldn't have gone or they slipped or something. Yep. I mean, like, they were out within less than a second. But mm-hmm. it's just if your kids are around a pool, like, shit's going to go down. And if you decide to, like, you know, read your book for a little bit and not care, <laughs> you know, or go inside and watch TV. Yeah, don't go inside and watch TV. That's crazy. And leave your child out there like it's a dog. Like, I know, your baby, too. Not even, like, your child that can run yeah. around. Your baby. Ugh. <sighs> learn cpr that's another preventative tip yeah um install a toilet lid locking device and keep bathroom door shut at all times um so that's basically it for all the kids but i did have a few other like interesting statistics that i found um 80 percent of people who die from drowning are males and this will include the children too like babies they are also more likely to be hospitalized than females for non-fatal drowning. Studies suggest that the higher drowning rates among males are due to increased exposure to water and riskier behavior, such as swimming alone, drinking alcohol before swimming alone, and boating. And maybe with the kids, it could be that kind of psychological thing where boys are just kind of left alone. Sometimes more than girls. kids are also like they have a real false confidence. 
Mm-hmm. Like when my kids were little, Violet didn't really do this, but Flynn definitely did. He was just like, I think I can swim. And I was like, I don't think you can swim. He's like, I think I can. I was like, okay. And he kept like trying to get off the stairs. So I stood like three inches from him and I was like, okay, give it a try. Maybe you're going to take off. Mm-hmm. Who the hell knows? And he sunk like a like a rock, <laughs> like a fucking rock. And I pulled him right again. I'm standing, like able to touch him. I pulled him right out, but he was like, "Huh!" Genuinely shocked that he couldn't swim. Right. He thought, "Like I'm gonna just swim away. It's fine." <laughs> they don't. It doesn't enter their brain, right? Oh, I know. He's a great swimmer now. He's totally mm-hmm. fine. He loves the water. He was not traumatized. I was traumatized because I felt like the meanest parent in the world for letting him yeah. sink. <laughs> Oh, but now he knows. But listen, he never did that again. Yeah. He never was like false confidence McGee. I love it. Oh, my God. I am so <laughs> wedding thinking about it. It was awful. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. Drowning accounts for 75% of deaths in flood disasters. With flood disasters becoming more frequent, this trend is expected to continue. Mm. Drowning risk increased with floods, particularly in low- and middle-income countries where people live in flood-prone areas and the ability to warn, evacuate, or protect communities from floods is weak or only just developing. That's, like, kind of sad. Yeah, um, it is sad. And then also a cool thing, too, um, I think they usually start at one years old, but you can get swimming lessons, like, starting at one. And have you ever seen the video of the babies? I don't like it. That It's bad, dude. <laughs> babies can't swim. Don't, no, Please no, don't think your baby they, can swim. No, 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 no. What, they, what, what it is, it teaches the baby to learn how to turn itself. So it, it'll it acknowledge that it's, like, in the water. I'm begging you, turn. guys, don't trust that because there are science that proves that, like, that doesn't always work and people well, let no. their babies drown. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't – you're not like, my one-year-old took a swimming lesson and now I can leave it. Some That's people not what I'm are. Saying. No, I know. But <gasps> what I'm saying is it's still good to just get them in the water and teaching them to swim and how to have a, you know, a proper – like I'm, a I can't healthy get behind a one year old in the pool like that, but I mean, if you it's feel not, like it's good, you yeah. guys can risk it. I don't. I've seen those baby swim lessons; they are terrifying, and oh. they lost so like kids die in them. Oh, don't put the donut on your kid's head either. Oh, Have yeah. you seen that thing? That is terrible. Isn't it awful? Yeah. Oh my god! I don't know how that's still a thing. I'm like sweating. I can't think I of babies in a pool. <laughs> so many of them drown. Your one year old cannot swim. <sighs> it hurts me. Um. Also, our friend, Dr. Lisa, did, like, a really great lecture on this over the summer um, on her – Lisa, where are you? Share it on our, on all of our social media mm-hmm. if you still have it because it was really, really great and really, really um, – had, like, a lot of good tips for that kind of stuff too. Great. But, oh, God, don't let your babies drown. <laughs> Please. Don't be like Bruce. Oh. Carry them around in the water. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. Hold them. Sit. On like a little step, have a cup. Cup is good. You can't drown in a cup. I think these are helpful solutions. <laughs> Thank you, Holly. <laughs> Let him go near a puddle. Uh, no, that's also one. God no. damn it! Nope, no puddles. What if not unsupervised? What if it's a a centimeter deep puddle? It says less than two inches, so I'm allowing for I'm okay. allowing it to be zero. <laughs> I'm allowing them okay. to drown in okay. nothing. <laughs> less than means all of it. That's all true. of it. Okay, so it's such a weird statement for them to put like less than two centimeters or two inches, and you're like, what? So, so all anything? the inches, yeah. all the inches. Oh no. Okay, 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because more than it is also less than it. So just any water. Any of it. (laughs) Even the absence of water. (laughs) They can Your child can drown on the dry sidewalk. Yeah. So get out of there. Oh, okay. That was tense. (laughs) Hate drowning babies. They make me so sad. Oh, God, I know. Watch your babies when they're around water. You're all better than Bruce, right? We're all better than Bruce. I feel it. I answered yes for everyone. Perfect. But this stuff really does happen occasionally to good parents who just Mm -hmm. had a lapse in judgment. Like, it happens. Mm -hmm. And that gives me um, yearly summer nightmares. And it's going to give me tonight nightmares. Yeah. Tonightmares. Ooh. Yeah, I like that. Coin that. There you go. Copyright. (laughs) Trademark. Yeah. (laughs) For his part, Bruce stayed true to form and neither paid a single cent of child support or contributed to Matthew's medical bills in the least. Get out of here, Bruce. I know. He didn't want to do any of that complicated nonsense when he could just go on vacation or do something else that was pleasant. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he couldn't put his money towards child support. He had vacation. A handicapped son is depressing. Boo! Yeah, it's like therapy. Yeah, like, I have to go somewhere happy and not be around that, like, sad mess. And normally I would say a normal healthy person going through this, I understand that grief of, like, you know, shutting it down, but he's just being an asshole. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. He's just awful. I Mm -hmm. I get that, too. But this is just him, like, I gotta go. You guys are depressing. Yeah. (laughs) This isn't fun anymore. (laughs) That is precisely what his mindset was. This isn't fun for me. I have to leave. Mm -hmm. To anything. Yeah. In 2004, a co-worker introduced Bruce's sister, Bruce to his sister-in-law, Sylvia Orza. Sylvia had been married twice. Now this is, we've gotten to formerly Sylvia Ortega. Her married name from her second marriage was Orza. Sylvia, oh, cat, had been married twice and had three children from her previous marriages, one of whom she had full-time custody of. They don't really mention where the other two were. Okay. The one little girl was with her all the time. I think the other two spent part-time with their dad or dads. Mm -hmm. They don't really talk about them too much. Mm. I don't know. Bruce and Sylvia started dating, and by January 2006, the two were married. Bruce quickly bought a $565,000 home for the new family in Mount Rose, California, and the trio, along with their new Akita Saki, moved in. During the first year of their marriage, Bruce and Sylvia seemed super happy. He got to know her large and gregarious family, and Sylvia became close with Bruce's mother, Nancy. After that first year, however, things started to go downhill, because he sucks. As it turned out, even after they were married, Bruce refused to share a bank account with his wife. Which, like, okay, I get, like, having your own bank account. Mm -hmm. Totally get it. But, like, he refused. He was like, no, no, this is my money. And what's even better is that his money was to be only used for the mortgage and himself. Sylvia's income provided for all of the family expenses. What a dick. Does she even know about his... Past relationship in the kid? Not yet. Okay. Such a surprise for you. (laughs) (laughs) While Bruce would use his paychecks for his house, because that was his house. So that's why he didn't mind, because he bought himself a big, beautiful house. And uh, random ski trips and laying on a beach in Palm Springs and, and, and frequently going to Las Vegas to gamble. He's great, isn't he? Ladies, if your paycheck pays for everything and your husband's only funds his own good time, your husband is a fucking loser and you need to dump that cargo before he sinks your ship. Not good. 
By late 2007, Sylvia was confiding in her friends that there were serious problems in her marriage. She said Bruce had become distant and cold, and she thought that things between them might end. Her best friend, whose name I will not mention because she did some really awful best friending. Oh, no. I know. But she didn't mean for her friend to get hurt. She just gave some shitty advice. Some people just aren't good at it. No. She told Sylvia to just stay with them and hope that things got better. Oh. I know. Can you imagine, like, this friend has been interviewed a bunch of times. She is very unhappy. Yeah. I mean, she's clearly going through her own shit. <laughs> well, yeah, if you your know best friend I mean? advice is to stay with a terrible man. Yeah, she she probably doesn't know any better. No, it's about, no, girl, you have to leave. Get out of there. By this point, even Bruce's sated mother, Nancy, and I say that in a non-ironic manner. Nancy's like a lovely woman who knew that her son was pretty much a piece of shit. Anyway, Nancy confided in Sylvia that Bruce had a child with another woman quite a few years ago and that that child was severely disabled. While Bruce wasn't contributing to his son's life life in any way, shape, or form, wait for it, he was still using him as a tax write-off <sighs> and lying to everyone involved. What a piece of shit. That's why I was like, oh, wait till you hear this shit. And who is this woman that introduced them? It like, was Sylvia's brother-in-law. Oh, so it was a guy? Yes. Ugh. And you know what his, his reasoning was? He said, um, I read this in a different article, I introduced them because Sylvia was like a, a mother of three and, ha- and like lived a life, and I thought she would ground Bruce. I thought she was perfect for him because she wasn't too like whimsical. So no. like she could fix him because that's a woman's job. You get yourself a broken man and you fix him. Okay. Women never... <laughs> Never look to a guy to be a matchmaker. They just, it's not the same. <laughs> I'm, it is not a skill set. I'm sorry. Like, it's it's probably a very small percentage of men are good at that um, matchmaking. Yeah. But I think that. I don't know any that even try. No, I just, it's not a skill set of theirs. I I fully coined that as like a woman's trait, a skill set that we, and not all women, but it's, it takes a lot of, um. You have to be observant. You have to be very observant and caring and gossipy. And that, that's just not a male's trait. And have like a sense of people. Like what do you fundamentally get along with? Yeah. I don't, I don't even want to be a matchmaker. That sounds terrifying. What if I got it wrong? I know. What if I set my friend up with like a fucking Bruce? Well, that's what I mean. And men don't really think of the consequences. Mm. They're just like, yeah, let's... That looks like a good time. <laughs> Maybe, and she was very pretty. She did yeah. look like a good time. Yeah. The, he was probably like, oh, they have, you know, they're both a seven and a half. Oh, no. He was like a four. Oh, was he? He's not. I'm just assuming he was good looking because how else no. did all this happen? No, he looks like he's like a real mm, white guy dad vibe. He was also six four and like close to 300 pounds. He was like an enormous giant. <laughs> John's going to be editing this and be like, what's a white guy dad vibe? Not John. (laughs) He does not have what I'm talking about. He doesn't. I'll show you pictures of this guy. (laughs) Sometimes Will does. No. He's okay. He announces it when he does. (laughs) Do you have on like your New Balance sneakers and like Dockers? 
maybe a fleece vest and a baseball cap oh, situation. No, I only get John Under Armour sneakers, so we're okay. <laughs> and he wears Converse, so we're fine. <laughs> Some New Balance sneakers were very fashionable for a hot minute. It yeah. was like, be a dad. That's cool. But then you just knew that they had flat feet. <laughs> yeah, I always saw them as like, you need support. Yeah, that is New Balance. <laughs> Not like, whoa, it's so cool. Yeah. And they don't they don't sponsor us, but New Balance for support. <laughs> the one for support. That's yeah. their catchphrase, right? I think so, yeah. I like it. So anyway, tax fraud. Not good. So finding that out was enough for Sylvia. She went through all of his tax information and found out that his mother was telling the truth, which why would she lie about that? You would never be like, my son's awful, JK. No, that is not what mothers do. No. He did write off a son with considerable medical expenses, and this son was nowhere to be found in his life. Sylvia confronted Bruce with this information and demanded that he claim this son. She was like, what the fuck, dirtbag? You have to, like, if you're going to claim him, you have to actually support him. Mm -hmm. Or you can't do any of it. Um, and he didn't like that at all. That was also not fun. Boo. Then Sylvia, you know, realized he was a selfish asshat, and the pair separated in March of 2008. Sylvia asked only that she be allowed to stay in the house with her daughter until she finished kindergarten in June because she didn't want to have to switch schools so late in the year. And this is like a very reasonable request, if you ask me. It's a couple months. Just let the little girl finish her school year. I guess if she moved with her, because she ended up moving in with her sister, I think that was probably, like, a different school district, and so she wouldn't have that address. Right. Although she could have just kept the, like, asked to keep the address on paperwork, too. I don't know. For mm. whatever reason, she just wanted to stay until kindergarten was over, which is not wildly unreasonable. Remember, though, that the house is in Bruce's name, because he is a darkly clever little motherfucker. So Bruce agrees to this, but just a week later, while Sylvia and her daughter were at her niece's birthday party, Bruce got all of their stuff and threw it out onto the lawn and driveway and changed the locks. He's such a dick. He's everything bad in the world. Yeah. With that, Sylvia moved in with her sister and filed for divorce. Because, yeah, fucking divorce him. Bruce, however, who thinks the entire world revolves around him, did not think she was serious and hired a lawyer, but aimed for reconciliation. But he threw her stuff out of the house. <laughs> yeah. He's insane. Yeah. And he was like, Absolutely. listen, I'll hire, I'll play, I'll do this dance. He didn't think they would be going through with the whole divorce, but he was like playing the game, which is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Only to Sylvia, it most certainly was not a game. And her lawyer did not come to play. Good. Yeah, he was fucking good. By this time, Bruce was making $122,000 a year in 2008. So that's really good money. Okay working as an engineer for ITT Radar Systems in Van Nuys um, as a defense, like for a company that's a defense contractor. So side note, a defense contractor is a business organization or individual that provides products or services to military or intelligence departments of the government. Products typically include military or civilian aircrafts, ships, vehicles, weaponry, and electronic systems. So Hmm. good that a fucking psychopath like Bruce had access to all of that. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we need like mental testing. I know. And like good mental testing. Yeah. Not just like you look fine. Right. Like you need to find out if people are of sound mind to be able to do those things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So Sylvia, meanwhile, was making just $30,000 a year working as an administrative assistant for an El Monte flower company. And that's like a fancy word for like receptionist. That's good money for yeah. an administrative assistant. Yeah. And, and in 2008. So yeah. not even That's today. what I mean. That's yeah. like really good money. 
With reconciliation squarely off the table, Sylvia won her case by a landslide. And on June 18, 2008, a Burbank judge ordered Bruce to pay Sylvia $1,785, which is very weirdly specific, per month in alimony. Why wouldn't you just be like 1700 or like 1800 It all has to, it's like a percentage. Oh, so is it? So it gets broken down. See, I don't know these things. Yeah. Well, $1,785 was how much she had to get, mm-hmm. which of course Bruce was not about to do. And it's probably if you break it down weekly, it mm-hmm. might make more sense of an amount. Oh, yeah, maybe. Sometimes. Or yearly. Maybe it's like, here's your lump yeah. sum and then we split normally it up. It's, yeah, normally it's like a, a weekly payment, but then you're, most people just do like a month, like pay a month. No. That's what they said. That's how much. Mm-hmm. He was not responsible enough to pay it because the law said so, or frankly good enough with money to even have that much in his bank account at any given time. So naturally, his first payment check bounced. And the second one, he stopped payment on immediately after if it was issued. So he wrote it, sent it, and then stopped payment on it. So she had the paper, but she couldn't get the money. God. Sylvia went back to court. And good honor, she should. And Bruce bought a one-way ticket aboard a train to Crazy Town. On June 13th, Bruce brought a 9mm handgun. And just a month and a half later, on July 31st, he was fired from his new cushy, high-paying job, Um, For billing the company for fraudulent hours. Remember, Bruce doesn't like to do work. He likes to have fun and do what he wants when he wants to do it. So you can imagine that working for a company that relies on its employees to self-report their hours was a dream for him, but a nightmare for the company. How he thought he was going to get away with this forever is beyond me. Well, it just adds up with him. I guess. But of course the company caught on. Yeah, of course. Bruce couldn't collect unemployment benefits after that, though, because he had been fired Mm -hmm. and not laid off and was unable to find another high-paying job in the tech industry, which were the only jobs he looked for. Because God forbid you just, like, find a way to support yourself. Right. And so for the months of August and September, the judge in Bruce's ongoing divorce case allowed him to suspend payments while he looked for employment, which I think is, like, too easy on him. Yeah, that's that's fairly normal, though, if is you it? go back and – because – and I would say But he that, was making $122,000. He should have had a couple of those months socked away. He should have, but if he doesn't have anything in there, then – I it's, guess, yeah. It Which saves them money didn't. because if they put him in jail, that's money coming out of, like, our pockets. You're not you know, wrong. For him. Um, it's more expensive to put him in jail. But um, I would say it's it's fairly normal. I If you lost your job, you the first couple months, maybe even the year, if you had a nest egg, like, you're going to be looking for a similar job. Yeah. But, I mean, he also wasn't able to collect unemployment. Um, so you he's just think, a shitty guy. Yeah, though. he just sucks. But he, that always drives me crazy. I definitely know people, and I've seen like tropes like this in movies where they're like, "I'm unemployed, but I won't accept anything. I need like management jobs. I need like a high paying position." Mm-hmm. You've been unemployed for like eight months. You need to take any job, right? At that point, it's kind of like just get something small. Look and- for a, a month or so. But then Mm -hmm. if you can't, you have to take any job just to keep yourself afloat until you find that job. That's fine. There's no Mm -hmm. shame in working at, like, Wawa for a couple months to pay your bills. 
Yeah, but society makes us feel embarrassed about that. Which is disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. In his case, again, he is not the typical person <laughs> and he is just a dick. We don't feel bad for him. I don't feel bad we for him. We feel bad for other people. Because of the way he thinks about it. He's not like feeling sorry for himself. No, he's, he's not. Just... Also, jail is such a scam. Yeah. It costs so much money. It is. And they lock people up for such little things. I know. Sorry, jail makes me mad. Yeah. Everything makes me mad today. <laughs> um, He didn't want to find other employment, but what he did want to do was buy himself another handgun. And okay. then another. And another. So he had money for the handgun. Which were all like $1,000 per gun. They were not cheap guns. So he had the money. Yes, ma'am. He did. Mm-hmm. He bought a gun every 30 days for the next five months, all of which he was unemployed. California has limits as to how many guns you can buy at once, so Bruce just waited until the timer ran out and then went back as soon as he could. But this got frustrating for a crazy person who thinks the world owes him a debt of gratitude, and so eventually he took to traveling out of state for some additional firearms in a hurry. Stockpiling as many guns as you can get your hands on as fast as possible is always the hallmark of unquestionable integrity. Wow. This is why we also need to fucking screen people who want to buy guns. And again, good screening. Exactly. Not just good, thorough screening. You're a white guy. Have as many as you want. And if anything is a flag. Like, Being a big old white guy probably is the biggest flag. Yeah, that should be, <laughs> that should be grounds for like a year of therapy. <laughs> just because you're a big old white guy. You're a big white dad. Yeah. You need, you need so much help. <laughs> So on September 8th, Bruce called Jerry Diote of Jerry's Costumes. I thought Jerry was a dude. Jerry's not a dude. Jerry's a lady. Nice. Yeah. I know two Jerrys that are ladies. Do you? Are they yeah. like kind of salty old broads? I want oh, them to be. Oh, for sure. Yes. Was one, one was my spin instructor and she was fantastic. She was a spin instructor? Oh my God. She was little like me. She was like 5'1". And she was, oh man, she kicked my ass. That and lives up would, to my Jerry expectations. Yeah. She... Oh, that they was my favorite be- class. When she left, she left and went on to bigger, better things. Um, Jerry had yeah. ladders to climb. I had a spin class with Megan next, and it wasn't as good. That doesn't sound as good. No, Jerry was great. My expectations of Jerry's are either like that or they're Jerry blank, and that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this one runs a costume store wherein you can order a Santa suit, um, which Bruce did. He ordered a deluxe one that he claimed would be used for a children's party. He put down a $200 deposit, which he also has, <sighs> mm-hmm, and promised to return it for the remaining, ba- re- to return, sorry, to get it and pay off the remaining balance, because it cost more than $200, in November. And if this isn't premeditation, I don't know what the fuck is. This, uh, he's, he's stocking yes. and getting a Santa suit. Uh-huh. This is, yeah, he's thought about this. Yes. He, as he's probably buying the firearms, he's probably like another alimony payment. Yeah, all that money. God, he's such a dick. Yeah, he's the worst. After the gun buying parade, Bruce went and visited an old friend named yeah. Steve Irwin. <gasps> but not the With Steve. an E. <laughs> okay. Listen, not the ghost of the crocodile hunter. <laughs> okay. Just but, going to his grave. I know, I sorely wish that was it though. Man. I read it and I was Don't like, drag him into this. I would never. I read that though and I was like, this is an audio thing. <laughs> People are going to be like, Steve Irwin, come on, get your life together. That was his friend. <laughs> this guy is delusional. 
Oh, no. But he went to visit Steve Irwin with an E in Iowa. Bruce confided in- That's confusing. <laughs> with an E in Iowa. <laughs> Sorry. That was fun alliteration. Irwin E-R. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Bruce confided in Steve that this whole divorce wasn't going super well for him. And even his own mother wasn't on his side. Apparently, St. Nancy went so far as to sit with Sylvia and her family in court. She went to the divorce hearing, did not sit with her shithead son, sat with his ex-wife and her family. Mm, Don't you just, like, feel bad for him? (laughs) Yeah, because he got divorced, so obviously he should kill everyone. Yeah, and just, like, she, you know, needs some money and – because, like, he just was – he lied to her, and no. you know this, it was like a false marriage. And that and is his a, son. He should be able to collect money. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or not collect money, not pay taxes. And he doesn't owe her anything at all. And for her to keep taking him back to court Ugh. is just horrible. What a bitch! I understand his frustration. Me too. We should go to Reddit and talk about yeah, this. Yeah, and just he's probably just tired. He's so tired. He's so tired. Fucking hate him. He's huge, and he walked like 13 feet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so even Nancy doesn't like him. Bruce stayed with Steve and his family for a while, doing his best impression of a nice guy. There's this whole anecdote about him, like, he really liked Steve's children, and when he left, he left them all a dollar. I don't care. He doesn't get to be nice guy. I don't give a shit. A dollar? A dollar. Steve had seven children. (laughs) Still, one, one each. That's only $7. <laughs> it's not like he had 100 children. <laughs> Even if he did, that's not a lot of dollars. No. Compared to all the firearms And the got? Santa suit. And the Santa suit, which we're going to get back to in a minute. So after then, after a little while with Steve, he left, and on his way back home, he obviously stopped at a gun store in Iowa to pick up 16 handgun magazines, each of which holds 18 bullets. And this is way more ammunition than California laws allow anyone to buy at once. Good on you, California. A fact that was certainly not lost on Bruce. Mm -hmm. Upon his return, Bruce went to pick up his Santa suit. And as you might have guessed from the price tag, this was no ordinary suit. Oh no. It had been tailor-made. To fit his giant ass. And he tailored it. No, he had it made for him to his measurements. So how much does that cost? Wait. Okay. With extra room in the coat for all the handguns. Not the jolly. Yeah. No, it was for presents and handguns. Mostly, Mostly it was for handguns. Mostly handguns. Got it. And the balance when he went to pick it up was like an additional couple hundred bucks. Of course. Yeah. That's still, that's a good price for a tailored custom suit. It's like a $400 Santa suit. Wow. Yeah, I guess for custom, still, that's like, wow. You bought, you went for, you went for it. But at this point, by this point, sorry, it was almost Thanksgiving. And Bruce had not only collected five handguns and an obscene amount of ammunition, but also a DeWalt compressor, a 50-foot hose, and a tank of high-octane fuel, otherwise known as the ingredients to make a flamethrower. Then he put up his Christmas lights. And waited. House gotta look nice. Gotta keep up appearances. Sure. Yeah. He oh. seems to like Christmas. <laughs> oh, God. No. <laughs> a week before Christmas, Bruce and Sylvia had their final divorce hearing. The marriage was officially termina- terminal. Terminally. Ter- <laughs> Terminalated. Terminalated. Ooh. <laughs> the marriage was officially terminated 
due to irreconcilable differences. I'm not drunk. I swear my tongue Words. just I know. <laughs> and Bruce was ordered to pay Sylvia a lump sum of $10,000. She also got to keep her engagement ring and the dog. And this is where Reddit gets real misogynistic real fast because their thing is she took the dog. Right. Yeah. That it's just, you know, ridiculous. That dog, when you pet a dog, you release serotonin, yeah. which allows you to be happy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so if he had that dog, he'd be happy. He was, yeah, he'd be petting them and he would just be happy to just have a bunch of handguns in his house and like yeah. a flamethrower. He'd be like, Oh, this is like I just have a really cool house and I'm really happy right now. And you know what? I'm gonna pay alimony. Yeah. Also like Merry Christmas. She took the his best friend. So she deserves to be dead along with her whole family. Yeah. Like if someone did that because to me. Because a dog is a man's best friend. You Holly. are right. And she is not a man and she took that dog. So yeah. she should probably die in a fire. I fucking hate this That guy. is the Reddit feed. This is how these people talk about it. They're like, well, I can really see where he's coming from. No, guys. Get the rest of the story. Listen to this story. He, there's something wrong with him. I know. Three days later, Bruce purchased round-trip plane tickets to visit his friend, definitely not the croc hunter, Steve Irwin. Bummer. He would leave on Christmas Day and return two weeks later. Steve and his wife confirmed that they were aware of Bruce's plan, so he had called them and told them he was doing this. But we don't really know if he ever planned to go through with this trip or if the tickets were kind of a red herring. Hmm. That's something that's sort of up for a debate. I think he did. We'll get back to it. Bruce then rented a blue Dodge Caliber and a silver Toyota RAV4 because everyone drives two cars at once. Nothing suspicious here. Oh, and he rented them from a company called Rent-A-Rec. Rent-A-Rec? Yeah. Why would you want to rent from them? They said they have wrecks. Rent-A-Rec? Yeah, like here, rent this mess. I don't get it. I don't either, but that's what it's called. It sounds extremely trustworthy from the jump. It should be noted that Bruce owned both a Cadillac Escalade and a Hummer the two most ostentatious cars in the world. So he needed to rent neither one of those cars. He had plenty of cars. He packed a Toyota for what seemed to be um, like a road trip. He put supplies in it, like maps of the Southwest and Mexico, a can of gasoline, clothing, food, and his laptop. And on Christmas Eve, he drove it over to the home of his wife's divorce attorney and parked it out front. Weird. Because Bruce had planned to kill more people than he did. Uh. Including... Sylvia's attorney, and his own mother. Wow. Mm-hmm. After dropping off the Toyota, Bruce found his way home, called not the croc hunter to check in, and then did some cocaine. So things are going good for Bruce. Later that evening, Bruce's neighbor reported seeing him come out of his front door in a Santa suit. The two exchanged pleasantries, and then Bruce walked past his own two cars and got in the blue rental wreck and drove off. We all know where he was going. Later that night, around 10 p.m., Bruce's fucking sad, poor brother, Brad, for whom there was literally no history about on the internet. And good for him. He probably doesn't want to be involved. He probably doesn't want his history out there. Uh, So he arrived at his brother's house because the two of them were supposed to go to a Christmas party together that night, but Bruce wasn't there. Brad assumes that he had just forgotten or made other plans because he was for sure the kind of guy that would have done that. And so Brad made his way to the party alone. By then, Bruce was preparing for the awful event with $17,000 and a plane ticket ticket strapped to his leg. So he had $17,000 he could take out of the bank and strap to his leg. He could have paid alimony. I don't understand. Yep. 
He also stuffed his suit full of handguns and then went to his ex-wife's family gathering with the intention of killing all of them, his own mother included, because Nancy had been invited that night. But, as she had in years past, she had gone to this party before, Mm -hmm. and the family still loved her, but she wasn't feeling well and elected to stay home. Wow. I know. The last little detail I have kept to myself up until this point is that a neighbor of the Ortegas had played Santa Claus for them many times in the past. No. Yep. Showing up at the door with presents for the children and staying for cookies and milk. So they thought a man they knew and trusted was at their door. Right. That's what I would have thought. Like, a party like that, of course, the Santa was coming. And yep. I mean, they hadn't talked to him about it, but seeing Santa walk through the front door even late at night, they probably were like, oh, he, like... He saw that everybody was here, and he just decided to come over and, like, give the kids mm-hmm. a little thrill. Because right. 11.30 on Christmas Eve is, like, not a weird, unheard of time. Everybody's right. up all late. Although this is, like, pretty immediate when this happens. Like, I mean, they open the door, and within, like, less right. than a minute, a gunshot's fired, right? Yes. Oh, immediately. Yeah. But the thing is, like, if they saw him on the front step. Oh, they wouldn't have thought anything And weird. also, it was an element of, like, they were stunned. Because... Not only was it bewildering to see Santa walk yeah, in the door and carry out violence, but the family went through thinking that he was their neighbor first. Right. And then thinking it was a random guy, maybe, to only come to realize it was their ex-brother-in-law. Right. That is a wild ride to go on. And, and like you said, in the span of like seconds and mm-hmm. horrible violence. Huh. So now we're back to the aftermath of the shooting and the firestorm. Emergency services is on their way, and the police have been informed that the diabolical Santa in question was one Bruce Pardo, and their search began. So Leticia, the one with the daughter who got shot in the face, um, you can hear, I think you can hear her 911 call in some places. I don't feel the need to play it at all. But she says, like, my daughter's been shot. You need to come and help. There's a man in there. He's still shooting. And she says it's Bruce Pardo. So, like, he's identified really quickly. Mm -hmm. Obviously. I don't care if you're in a Santa suit. You were in this people's family. They knew you. Yeah. It took a team of firefighters, like a lot of firefighters, over two hours to put out the blaze. As it turned out, Bruce had sprayed racing fuel, intending to ignite it with a flare and do the whole house in. But before he could, the flames from the house's fireplaces, which were lit for Christmas Eve, caught fire and exploded. Mm. In the rubble, nine bodies were found. They were so badly burned that they could only be identified later by dental records, which would show that they were that of Sylvia Pardo, her parents, Papa Joe and Alice, her brothers, James and Charles, and their wives, Teresa and Sherry Lynn, her sister, Alicia, and her 17-year- and Alicia's, Alicia's 17-year-old son, Michael, who had burned to death trapped in the back room. Of course, the remaining victims, medical examiners, could only tell, of the remaining victims, they could only tell that Sylvia and her parents died directly of gunshot wounds. For the rest, it was a combination of the gunshots and the fire. Wow. hmm And I'm just thinking about all of the grandkids. So what is that? Two of the families of kids are, like, left orphans? Thirteen children were left orphaned by the Thirteen. Cement. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thirteen kids were left without parents. Well, at least one, most of them, all, both of their parents. Yeah. Bruce Pardo, of course, fled. He got into his blue Dodge rental and drove 40 miles to his brother's house in Silmar, where he parked his car a block away and removed what he could of the Santa suit. 
You see, Bruce had been injured badly. He didn't anticipate this either. In the explosion, he he's got um, second and third degree burns on his arms, legs, and the back of his neck. And they were so bad that the Santa suit had fused to his skin in places. There was no way that he would be able to get on a plane, and no way he would be able to survive without a trip to the hospital, where he would surely be caught. So he knew it was over. Bruce used the ragged remains of the Santa suit and some trip wires to rig his car so that when police opened the door, the wires would ignite 200 rounds of ammunition, and in a final act of rebellion or whatever the fuck Bruce liked to do, the car would explode and take whoever opened the door with it. For no reason. There's no reason for that. There's no evidence. Like, evidence is everywhere. Bruce then walked to his brother's house, where he had a key, let himself in, sat on the couch, and shot himself in the head. At 3 a.m., Brad Pardo (laughs) returned home, and found the charred, Santa-marked remains of his brother on his living room couch, gunshot wound through his mouth, with a gun in each hand. Bruce was still wearing his wedding ring. Brad called the police, who were clever enough to notice the rigging in the car and safely detonate the device away from anyone (laughs) who might have gotten hurt. Bruce's body was taken away as the sun rose on Christmas morning. As for the Ortega family, obviously Christmas is a sore time of year for them. Mm-hmm. But Leticia dedicated her life to getting her children past it, especially Katrina, who looks awesome. She tried to get them past the trauma. She explained to them many times, like, that's not the real Santa. Santa is something that still exists and, like, love can still happen. It's really touching and sad. Uh, and she tries to keep all her family traditions alive, even making her mother's pasole on Christmas Eve and attempting to bring everyone together when she can. It's tough, though. That night, 13 children were left parentless. Leticia and her husband were able to take in a few of her nieces and nephews, but obviously not all of them. Thankfully, though, all of the children were able to be placed with family members. Good. Yeah, so that's good. Nancy, Bruce's mom, remains close with the Ortega family. Sylvia's son, Salvatore, remember she had kids from a previous marriage that we didn't hear about. One of them Mm -hmm. is a son that was older, told her that they never blamed her for what happened and that no matter what her son did, she was still family. They're like magical people. I know. Gosh, I'm going to cry. This is so sad. I know. Brad Pardo still works and lives in California, and I hope he has gotten extensive therapy because I feel really bad for him. He was like, we're going to a party, and I got home, and then he was dead on my couch. In the following investigation of Bruce's house, police uncovered what they referred to as a virtual bomb factory. He apparently had plans to blow up additional buildings and people. I guess we can just be thankful that he was cut short before any of that happened. And that is the story of the West Covina Christmas Eve Massacre. God oh. bless us, everyone. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. That was a lot. Yeah. So I believe, like yeah. you said, he's a, he has a narcissistic personality, like an extreme narcissist. Right. I know narcissists that wouldn't do this. But That's, this is like – This is extreme. A level 11. And I would say that he – Probably was feeling like anybody would during a divorce and if they're the ones being kind of attacked on that end of like they were doing – like they have to pay, they have to do this. I understand that feeling of like they're feeling almost like a a pressure, like Mm -hmm. something on their chest. But mixed in with his narcissism, it's really just the fact that he's like – like we said, he's just not – this isn't fun and I don't like this anymore. And so he is planning all of this, but I can – 
it's like I can see the gears working of him just egging himself mm-hmm. on to get more guns and then I'm going to do this. And he's just convincing himself that, like, this is a really good yeah. idea and he has no job so he has nothing else to think about. So you know what's really interesting about that observation? There are psychologists who, in the wake of this, have kind of, like, studied his case. And some of them say they think the other thing he had, obviously, other than narcissistic personality disorder, was obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm. So the guns and the plan and the stuff all became this, like, like exactly like you just said, became an obsession and it just snowballed and he just needed mm-hmm. to do it. He just felt, yeah. like, compelled to do these things. There's no excuse. I'm right. not saying, like, the devil made him do it. Right. But part of it was that he became obsessed with this and he planned this shit for a long time. Yeah. Because he started buying guns in, like, July. Mm-hmm. Christmas is not in July. Mm-mm. And nobody was noticing anything weird. No? So, therefore, there wasn't an ounce of somebody being like, are you okay? Do you need, like, you're yeah. acting a little weird. Like, nobody stepped in to have a conversation that would throw him off. No. Nope, so it was didn't. just a complete straight ride. To Not this. even Steve Irwin. Not even Steve Irwin. There, no crocodiles came. They didn't. So he did hold up his end of the bargain there. Yeah. <sighs> Wild. Sorry, I got mad about babies in pools. They stressed me out so bad. <laughs> I know that seems like so long ago now. <laughs> they make me have that more- in Clone Wars. <laughs> so long ago. Remember when you thought we were just going to talk about Clone Wars and it was going to be nice. I do. I remember that. That was a good time. We went on a ride. So, yeah. Toast? Oh. Um, okay. Well, to Nancy. Yes. I fucking love Nancy. Yeah. I'm on board with Nancy and obviously, like, everybody who lost their lives. And and Katrina and her mom who, like, yes. that that's who I was saying um, talks, talks to the mm-hmm. Sandy Hook people. Yeah. Because she went through a fucking yeah, shooting massacre. I mean, all the survivors for sure. Yeah. We need to toast to this time. Yeah, there's to not- Matthew. Oh, Matthew. That's right. Him too. And his poor mom. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. took on Elena, that's her name. Yeah. Who took on like that such a challenge and it wasn't mm-hmm. God, I can't even imagine like walking home to that, first of all. Like walking in the front door and that your kid's floating in the pool in the backyard and dad's like, but I just wanted to watch a show. And then dad's gone like a week later and you're alone with like a severely disabled child. Oh, what do you even so do? Angry. I don't know. The, I think the lesson from this story is just to, you know, be more honest about your kids being kind of pieces of shit sometimes, you know? I know you want to, you think that a lady's going to fix them, but, you know, don't put that on the wife. Also, like, <laughs> don't try and fix a man. Don't try to fix a man. Don't, um, you know, don't gloss over the important details. Because mm-hmm. you think it won't matter. All well, those things matter. They do matter. And everyone that knew him always talked about how, like, nice and fun he was. But I also struggle to find any people who were close to him. Mm-hmm. These are all, like, his friend from high school, his frat buddy in college, a woman he briefly dated. I feel as though nobody really knew him. Yeah. Well, that goes back to that Chris Watts episode yeah. where he didn't really have... He didn't have, have friends either. Like, I don't... He didn't have, like, a best friend, right? So if your man doesn't have, like, any friends, you, you need to, like, th- think hard. Yeah. 
Or your lady, likewise. Other way around. A lady that has no friends either if you're a... And doesn't care about that. Like, if they don't care about not having friends. Because there's, like, a difference. Like, some people have friends and they just don't see them. But if they're just like, "Mm, yeah. I'm just... I don't need people at all. I don't need any people in my life. You're probably not all there. Or, like, extra is there. Well, we didn't claim. Oh, yeah. So cheers to all of the survivors and... Matthew and Lena and Nancy, everybody, everybody. Sylvia, Alice and Papa Joe, all of them. And if we saw Santa at our door on Christmas Eve and thought nothing of opening it up to let him in, we would be dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WouldBeDeadPod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Even an excellent flamethrower is most likely unreliable in the hands of a deranged Santa Claus.